Well, good morning. If you are new, my name is Charles Stone. I'm the lead pastor. It is great to have you here. And if you're a guest, we're especially grateful you've joined us. Well, today is a very full day. I just kind of walked around the parking lot. It is absolutely full. People are parking on the grass. We've got this cookout afterwards. Now, we're going to give details about how we're going to manage that a little bit later. Uh, but one thing that will help us, if you have kids, we have a bunch of bouncy houses and things like that. If you're staying for the barbecue, go there first, and that'll give time for the crowds to kind of die down for our barbecue. And again, I'll qualify for, for you who understand uh, what barbecues are. This is not a barbecue. It's a cookout because there's no barbecue sauce. So, sorry, we don't mean to be, you know, deceptive. Anyway, so I'm going to share something with you at the beginning here that if you're under 30, you probably have, have not seen before. This is a roadmap, <laughs> a printed roadmap. Now, those of you who know what these are, if you want to get to point A to point B many years ago, you had to get one of these. You would buy it brand new, it was so pristine folded, you could not fold that thing back to the, its original package. But my wife would often unfold it, it never went back in the same package. But to get from point A to point D, we had to use things like this. Then we graduated to these. Remember MapQuest? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you go online and you'd uh, print it out and there's like turn by turn direction. There's the map. But you still had paper. The next graduation was a GPS machine itself. Remember Garmin? You know, had those put them up in the window. And then what do we have now? We got these. This is in Europe somewhere, I guess. It bad something. Anyway, so... We have, and on your phone too, it tells you turn by turn directions, it talks to you, it tells you, like we have sometimes when I feel like the little lady with the voice, she gets mad at me when I don't follow her directions. You know, you know that feeling like, just back off, just leave me alone, you know. Anyway, so we have smartphones now. Well, today we're going to do kind of like what a map does. A map gives you an overview of the landscape kind of directs where you're going to go. That's what we're going to do today as we go into this study of the book of Mark, one of the Gospels, one of the first four books of the New Testament. We'll be in it yeah, maybe somewhere around a year. So this message today is kind of like a map. It's going to give us a roadway how we're going to go from point A to point B in this series. Now here's the big idea today. Stepping back from Mark, which is what we're doing, before actually stepping in and kind of going through detail by detail, will help best prepare us to maximize the impact from the book's message. Now, this next slide uh, is going to be a visual uh, kind of a, a picture of where we're going. It's called a concept map. Those of you who are teachers know what a concept map is. A concept map is you kind of give a visual description of where you're going. It aligns the brain to pick up on that content that follows. So today, an introduction, and there will be four parts of this. One is going to be a quiz. I'm going to give you a quiz today. It's not graded. You're just self-grading. We're on the honor system. Uh, this picture represents an, a video which kind of gives you a broad overview. We're going to see a little five-minute clip. Then we're going to look, look at the bird's eye view or the helicopter view. And this is like New York City, you know, somebody up in helicopter. Then going to look at some next steps. So that's how we're going to go today. That's our roadmap for today. So the quiz is first. So short quiz, however, 
there will be prizes. Yes, there will be prizes for those of you who do well on the quiz. And I'm going to explain those prizes in just a bit. But um, let's see. Oh, let me go back here. All right. Yep. Okay, so what I want you to do is we go along. Well, let me just tell you about the prizes first. You're probably wondering, what kind of prizes are these? Am I going to participate or not participate? So anyway, so prizes here. Okay, we have some of these. Uh, these are called uh, Thin Addictives. Those cookies are really, really good. Okay. We've also got uh, little baby Snickers. Okay. And then this is tough for me to give these away. Lindors. And actually, we have a couple of the vanilla ones in here. Yummy, yummy. Now, we actually have a grand prize. We only have one grand prize. And for those of you, by the way, if you, if you win, I'll tell you how you can win. You can just come meet me back at the Welcome Center after the service and you get your prize. Now, that one grand prize, some of you may qualify for that, but it's the first person to get there, but I'll explain that grand prize to you in just a minute. So, as you go through here, you want to kind of mentally uh, Remember how many of these questions you got right. You may want to use your fingers. I have an engineering degree, but I still use my fingers to count. Does anybody else use fingers? Come on. We all do, don't we? Okay, here we go. Question number one. Mark was one of the 12 apostles. Possible answers are true or false. So just think a bit. The answer is false. Mark was not one of the 12 apostles. He's probably John Mark that the Bible uh, places a close association to the apostle Paul. He learned a lot of uh, what he writes in Mark from Peter himself. Actually, Mark and Paul had a falling out when they came back together. So, you know, make a mental note if you got that right or, or didn't. Quiz number two, question number two. Mark is the shortest of the four gospels, the longest of the four gospels, neither the shortest or the longest. So get your answer. It's the shortest. It really is. It is the shortest of all the Gospels. Question number three. Mark focuses more on Jesus' humanness or Jesus' divinity. Choose your answer in your mind. His humanness. As you read through this book, you see that Mark writes about Jesus' emotions more than any other gospel writers. He talks about Jesus' uh, sorrow and disappointment and displeasure and righteous anger and amazement and compassion and fatigue. We see all these little details about the humanness of Jesus. However, Mark never neglected the fact that Jesus was divine, fully God. Okay, now keep, keep in, your, in your mind or with your fingers how many questions you've gotten right. Quiz number four. The gospel of Mark was the first gospel written last gospel written, neither the first or the last gospel written? The answer is first gospel written. So we actually have an account of Jesus' life. This is the one that gives us closest to his life. Question number five. The word gospel means Jesus has come. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is good news. Pick your choice. Jesus is good news. Now, granted, those first two would actually qualify as being good news. So if you got any of these, give yourself a point. Okay? This last one, I, I, I just be frank with you up front. This is, this is a tough one. Probably nobody's going to get this one. But if you do, well, you qualify with the grand prize. Mark was written primarily with this audience in mind. You're going to have to put your thinking cap on here. Gentiles. Americans <laughs> or Canadians. 
So, who got it right? Well, it's Canadians, right? No, no, it is Gentiles, non-Jews. Okay, let's see how well you did. Now, we all have each other's graces here, so don't be, feel embarrassed, you know, if you only got one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you only got one. If you got at least four correct, raise your hand. Oh, wow, that's a lot. Now, hopefully you have no prizes. If you got five or more correct, raise your hand. Oh, well, well, well. Okay, you qualify for one of the prizes. You just catch me at the end here, or uh, at the Welcome Center. Now, I need to find out how many of you got all six right? Raise your hand high. Two. Is that right, two? Three? three? Oh, Rhonda. Okay. Congratulations, guys. Yes, let's give it. That's right. That's right. And the grand prize is a can of sardines. <laughs> Young lady, I'm going to give you the grand prize here. And you know what? You can ask your friends if you can pop it open now and have a little snack. <laughs> let's give her a hand, okay? And the other two as well. Oh, okay. Uh, I, uh, true confession, uh, and I've, I've received permission from Cheryl. Uh, we have a good relationship except for one thing. Cheryl will not let me eat sardines in the house. I have to eat outside. Now, that's wrong, isn't it? That's, that's, just, that's just wrong. Okay. All right. Now, to be honest with you, some of these questions I would have gotten wrong, and I have a seminary degree, so you guys that get five, got five and six, way to go. Okay. So Mark is really a biography of the life of Jesus. We know what a biography is. It presents the life of Jesus, what he said and what he did, without adding a whole lot of extra commentary. With a goal that as we learn about the life of Jesus, it transforms us. It changes us. And this happens as Mark writes about all these experiences in the life of Jesus. The book was written probably mid to late 60 ADs. And what was going on in Rome at this time, it was really written with the Roman Christians in mind, a lot of persecution. The Roman government was really ratcheting down the persecution. And in fact, a third of the book is on Jesus' crucifixion. So the very fact that it was on a, a large part on crucifixion, it, it encouraged those who were suffering from the persecution, reminding them that, you know, the way of the cross or following Jesus is the way of the cross. It's going to bring difficulty, but God's going to support you during that time. Now, the first verse, Mark 1.1, tells us why he wrote it. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, and then he gives him one of the names used of Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. So Mark wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, who he is, why he came, and why he died. So Mark is including all these stories. As you read through the book, all bunch of stories. He's not including these stories simply as, as you know, historical facts, that and much more, but rather we learn about Jesus so that we might repent and believe on Jesus. As he, and he changes our lives. It's not a random collection of events, but a very coherent book about the person and work of Jesus. Now, he wrote the book primarily to folks like you and me, kind of ordinary folks, not the, not the uppity-up kind of people. And Mark breaks the book primarily into two halves. First half, chapters 1 through 8. Second half, chapters 9 through 16. First half is about his mission, why he came. The second half, mission accomplished. 
Now, in the first part of the book, Jesus is mostly communicating and teaching and interacting with the masses who were broken and who were lost and who were sick and who were hurting and in bondage. He's giving them life. He's giving them light. He's healing them. He's encouraging them. He's liberating them. He's forgiving them. The second section focuses on something a little bit different, though. Criticism begins to rise up against Jesus. The crowds fall away. The religious leaders begin to press in on Jesus with greater conflict, resulting in his death on the cross. But of course, we know Jesus didn't stay dead. So the first half deals with Jesus' ministry primarily in what is called Galilee. The second half, his journey to Jerusalem and his crucifixion. Now, I've got a couple of maps up here to kind of give you a little comparison to where it happened. Now, uh, first of all, these little boxes here, don't worry about these. I should have removed those beforehand, but this is the Sea of Galilee. It's about 18 miles by 6 miles, convert that into kilometers. And you can see it's the same map over here. Now, what I want you to see is this little kind of orange area, that's Galilee. First part of the book was primarily what Jesus was doing and saying in that area. Now, if you look closely, you see these little dotted lines here? See those little dotted lines? That represents Jesus' journey in Galilee in the first part of the book. But notice the dotted lines here? Going down to Jerusalem. See, there's Jerusalem here. The second half happened in Jerusalem in that area. Okay? So that kind of sets us up. I want you to watch now this short five-minute video clip that kind of gives us a kind of a map, the lay of the land of all of Mark. So, so watch this. The Gospel of Mark is a book in the Bible about the life of Jesus. And the earliest reliable tradition tells us that it was written by a guy named John Mark. Now, Mark didn't just grab a bunch of random stories about Jesus and throw them together. He's designed this book to address some really specific questions about whether or not Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. So let's stop right there because that's a term a lot of people like me aren't very familiar with. Yeah, so the Messiah was a royal figure, sometimes called the Son of God, that Israel was expecting to come and set up a kingdom here on earth. And around the time of Jesus, Israel was occupied by Rome, and so many Jews were hoping that the Messiah would come and overthrow the Romans and rule as king. But Jesus didn't overthrow the Romans. In fact, he was killed by them. And that brings us to the very issues Mark is trying to get at in this book. So in the first half, he focuses on who Jesus is. Is he really the Messiah? And then in the second half, he's addressing how Jesus became the Messianic King. And then right here in the middle of the book is this pivotal story that brings the two halves together, and Jesus answers both of these questions. Okay, so let's talk about the first half of the book, who Jesus is. So Mark makes his beliefs about Jesus very clear from the first line of the book. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. One of the next stories is Jesus getting baptized and God's voice announces from heaven, this is my son. So it couldn't be more clear, it's presenting Jesus as the Messiah. Yes, but as you're reading through this first half of Mark, you'll notice something really interesting start to happen. Jesus is going about healing all these different people, and he's constantly telling them to keep quiet about who he is. This happens so many times in Mark's account, it's very strange. Yeah, why keep it a secret? So remember, lots of Jews had lots of different expectations about what the Messiah would be and do. And so Jesus doesn't want people to misunderstand what it means for him to be Israel's Messiah. And so with all that in 
mind, we come now to the pivotal story at the center of the book, where Jesus takes his disciples away and he asks them, who do you all say that I am? And Peter says what everyone's been saying, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. But then something new happens because Jesus starts explaining to them how he's going to become the Messianic King. And it is not what they expected. He says he's going to suffer and die and rule by becoming a servant. Or in his words, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to become a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter is startled by this and he rebukes Jesus because there's no way he's going to let Jesus die. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan, which is really intense. It really is. But it highlights how important it is for Jesus that his disciples come to understand who he really is. And so here now in this pivotal section, Jesus tries three different times to have this conversation with them. And every time they respond in confusion and even fear. Okay, so this launches us into the second half of the book, where Mark addresses the question of how Jesus becomes the Messianic King. It's the last week of Jesus' life. He goes to Jerusalem, gets in conflict with the religious leaders, and gets arrested. And he's put on trial as someone who's claiming to be the king of the Jews. He's even given a crown and a purple robe like a king would get, but it is all a cruel joke. Then he's mocked and beaten and hung up on a cross where he dies. And it's here in this crucial scene that we meet a new character. A Roman soldier. Who suddenly gets everything that's going on. He says, surely this is the son of God. Which is crazy. It's an enemy who's first putting it all together that Israel's messianic king is the crucified Jesus. That's the structure of the book of Mark. But the book doesn't end with Jesus dead on the cross. No. So on the third day, some women go to visit Jesus' tomb, only to find that it's empty. And then there's this angel standing there, instructing them to go and tell this good news that Jesus is alive from the dead. But instead, they run away and they don't tell anyone because they're afraid. And that's how the book ends. Which is a really abrupt ending. Yeah, it's so abrupt that later scribes did add an ending that brings more closure to the story. And you'll find that story in your Bible with a little footnote that says it was added much later. But Mark's a brilliant storyteller, and he's intentionally ended this book abruptly. So all through the book, the disciples have been confused about Jesus' plan to give up his life, the story in the middle and now right here at the end. It's like Mark is acknowledging just how startling this claim really is. And he wants you, the reader, to wrestle with it for yourself. Is this crucified Jesus really the Messiah that they've been waiting for? If you want to really uh, see a lot of great little clips like that, go to BibleProject.com, I believe. Great, great website. Great, great ministry. Okay, now let's look at the uh, helicopter view or the drone view, the, the bird's eye view. Because what I'm going to encourage you to do is for you to not just come, come, yeah, but read the scriptures for yourself. And I, it's important to kind of keep some high level principles in mind that Mark used so that you can get the most out of your own reading. Now, you won't remember all these things I'm giving you, but we have a little tool uh, that will help kind of uh, prop your memory because as we read these things and, and, and are introduced to them, it subconsciously preps our mind to really look for them as we read the book and study the book. Now, when you came in, you may or may not have seen on the tables out there, we have these little cards with a QR code. On the back of the card are these ideas to keep in mind as you go through the book. Now, I'm going to take these apart now, okay? 
First one is, Mark asked lots of questions. As you read the book, you're going to see, man, he's asking a lot of questions. 144 questions. I read the 114 questions. 77 are what are called rhetorical questions. A rhetorical question is a question asked not necessarily to elicit a specific answer, but rather to make a point, to illustrate something, to highlight something, create dramatic effect. So Mark asked lots of questions. As you read to the book, just note, oh yeah, another question. Think about that. Mark's big, big question is, who is Jesus? And he answers that in the book. Number three, Mark uses a sandwich technique to subtly interject theology. Now, what is a sandwich technique? Seven times in the book, he starts to tell a story and he abruptly ends that story before he finishes it by interjecting another story. Then he finishes the story. By interjecting that story, he's actually interjecting some theology. This isn't primarily a theological book, but he interjects it using that sandwich technique. So look for those, those kinds of stories. Mark portrays Jesus' authority as over everything, even as he was a servant to all. Jesus' authority is over nature and Satan and religion and the religious leaders. And he writes and, uh, and tells of Jesus' words as Jesus acts out of his authority as divine, as God, but always as a servant. He says in Mark 10, 45. For, just read that to yourself right now. This is a pivotal verse in the book. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Here's the next one. Mark often includes vivid details. What he's trying to do is create a sense of like, you are there. In fact, one of them was this. Jesus was with his disciples on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. When a storm came up, the disciples freaked out. And what was Jesus doing? Sleeping in the boat, and here's the detail, on a pillow. Now, some sort of wasn't actually a pillow like a bed pillow, but that's a little detail that Mark uses to kind of give the sense that, hey, you are there. Here's another one. Mark writes with childlike enthusiasm. He uses the word and 34 times. And let me explain how that's so important. Those of you who have young kids or had young kids, when, you're, when your son or daughter experienced something from the first time, let's say they were four or five, and they're so excited, they'll use and a lot. For example, let's say your, your five-year-old goes to a petting zoo for the first time with, with, with uh, his mom. He comes home and tells his dad. He said, oh, dad, you won't believe it. I, I, I walked into the gate and, and there were all these animals and, and there were rabbits and there was a goat that came up to me and, and there was a donkey that I got to touch and I, and I, and I got to feed him. See, he says, and this, and and this, and and this, and and this, that enthusiasm. That's kind of how Mark is presenting it. Again, you are there. Mark writes with a sense of immediacy. 30 times he uses the word immediately. Again, he's trying to make you have a sense of you are there watching Jesus do these and hearing him preach and teach. Mark anchors the book in three pillars. Pillar number one is Jesus' baptism. I think next week or the week after that, we'll be taking that one apart. Jesus' transfiguration and Jesus' crucifixion. So these three pillars. This is interesting. Mark shows that the disciples struggled to understand who Jesus was. Now, in the first part of the book, uh, Mark treats the, uh, the disciples in a very positive way. A lot of positive things they did, but then... 
the disciples really began to struggle with who Jesus was. And they began to do some non-faith-like things. And the very fact that Mark does this, it's an encouragement to you and me because you know what? We struggle with our faith sometimes too, don't we? Yeah, we see the disciples struggling with their faith at the end of the book. And then the 10th idea to keep in mind. Mark writes that Jesus came to liberate us from sin and the power of Satan. So, as you put all these ideas together, the main point of the book is really this. Jesus Christ has come as God promised through the prophets. This is good news. Therefore, we should repent and place our faith in Jesus. That's what the book is all about. Now, remember I described to you uh, this concept map, four pieces. There's also a next steps piece. You know, we live in a world that bombards us constantly with stimuli. Sometimes I'm just, I'm like too hooked on what's happening in the world, you know, this news outlet and this news outlet, you know. I feel like I'm gonna, maybe that's uh, something I need to deal with. But we have so much stimuli coming toward us that there's no way we can comprehend it. And as a result, we're, we kind of passively, the temptation, the temptation is to passively listen to a sermon or teaching like this because of the world we live in. Well, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, some of you I've shared this with before, a German psychologist named Hermann Ebbinghaus was studying memory. And what he did was he made up 2,000 nonsensical words and he would memorize groups of them 10 or 20 at a time, something like that. And he would time how long it took him to forget those words. Out of that, called the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve. And research has proved this to be true, even though it's, you know, a couple hundred years, years old or so. And here's what the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve looks like. On the left-hand side here is retention. So right now, your working memory, if I asked you within 30 seconds, you can recall what I said 30 seconds prior to that. Days are at the bottom here. Notice what retention does. Basically, after about a week, you forget 90 plus percent of like this sermon if you only approach it passively. That is a guarantee. Now, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> Thank you, whoever that was. <laughs> you don't want to waste your time. Don't you think it would be helpful if you could increase this? Well, you can through something called active learning. Actually, this is it in your, bullet, not your bulletin in the uh, little sermon guide every week. Active learning is a way you can increase what you retain. Therefore, what you're actually doing is giving the Holy Spirit more material to work with, to work into our heart and work into our behavior and our conduct and our character. Now, I've shown this to you before and you will continue to see it. The three learning R's. The first one is read. Now, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Every week we'll cover a portion of Scripture in Mark, Okay. What I want you to do, encourage you to read that portion two or three times every day. Take you, you know, a few minutes, read through it, reflect over it, meditate on it, uh, pray over it. That's really what it means is reading. It's you engaging with God's word yourself, not me engaging it for you. Now, I'm going to do that 
And the other pastors, as we preach, we're going to do our homework. But it's you taking the initiative to engage with God's Word yourself. That's what this is all about. Now, to help do that, and Mark is especially great for this little tool we have, we have something called a RIPE reading guide. What does RIPE stand for? It's an acronym for read the scripture, immerse yourself in it, pray over it, and execute or do what it says to do. And you can download this on our website. It's a great, it's a, an ancient way the ancients, ancient Christians would read through scripture. So I really encourage you to go through this section, this passage we're going to deal with the next week, every day, read a few times. Okay, because all learning is based on prior learning. Okay, read is one. The next one is record by taking notes. The research is there. If you take notes, especially handwritten notes, you're going to remember more because it's forcing your brain to consolidate all of this you're hearing to consolidate it into a few little points that you could that really resonate with you. So maybe for you, you've never taken notes. We give you this little handout each week as you come in. Maybe that's what you want to do. Then here's the third one. Read, record, and review. How many of you love taking tests? Nobody. But you know what? That's the number one way you remember stuff. Because you have to, by review, 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 and calling out what you review, that's how you remember stuff. You can do that. You can review by reviewing the notes you took, by um, reading the scriptures, by looking at the discussion questions we provide, by looking at the message again, reviewing the memory verse. Now, to help you do this, we actually have some specific steps that will help you. We have something called e-news. If you're new, e-news is a weekly thing we send that kind of tells what's happening. If you're not on e-news, just email us here. Go to our website and we'll get you on that. There will be a short video clip kind of to whet your spiritual appetite for the week coming up, the upcoming scriptures, a question to think about, and some other tools like that. Now, when you, I mentioned this little card when you came in. This little QR code here, if you use your, your smartphone, it will take you directly to the page on our website that has all kinds of tools that actually has the sermon manuscript of what I teach today. You have that, you have the videos, all kinds of great, great tools. And again, on the back side, you have these ideas to keep in mind. Now, you can get one of these cards each week if you want to, but it's the same QR code. So if you keep the card, it doesn't change each week. It'll send you there. Also, if you have a smartphone or an iPad or something like that, you can actually download the notes. And if you have a PDF markup, that's what I do. When I'm here in preaching, uh, you know, when I, you know, travel, I will actually take my iPad and I will just make, take notes there. That's how I take my notes electronically. So that's one thing you can do. Okay. We also have another tool. I'm just curious, how many of you have one of these? Yeah, several of you. Okay, so this is a, a notebook. We three-hole punch the sermon notes every week. This is simply a notebook. You can purchase one in the, at the Welcome Center. It's like 10 bucks, not much. And you can keep all of your sermon notes in there. It's a great little tool. So you might want to check that out. That's a real helpful one. Okay. Okay, so let's review what we've covered today. We have looked at an introduction to the book of Mark. Gave you a quiz. And don't forget... I already gave away the grand prize, and I truly hope you enjoy that grand prize. Yes, yeah, she, she did thumbs up. I'm not sure if that's a real thumbs up. Or, <laughs> anyway, we looked at the quiz. We looked at this overview from the Bible Project, guys. 
we did the top level view, gave you eight or nine or ten principles to keep in mind, and then some next steps. Now, where do you go from here? I want to issue a challenge to you. And here's the challenge. It relates to the next steps and the three learning R's. The three learning R's, how many of you can, listen, what's the first one? What's the next one? Record the last one? Good job. Great job. Okay, here is my challenge. My challenge is that you pick one of these, either read or record or review. That you pick one of those that maybe you've not done it before. Maybe this whole idea of like, oh, like I'm supposed to prepare to before I come to church? Well, that's a novel idea. Maybe that's the first time you thought about that. Maybe that's what you feel impressed to do. Maybe you've never taken notes. You say, well, I'll, I'll try that, Charles. You know, I like electronic notes again. It's really good on your, your phone, your iPad. It's really cool. Did you know that even when you take notes, even doodling about what you hear increases retention? Or review. Maybe you have never thought about that. Like, okay, you have a good church, and the guy up front, he brings his talk, and then we go eat. And what did he talk about? Well, it was like Bible stuff, Jesus, you know, that kind of stuff. Maybe that's novel to you. Like, you know, if I'm really going to, because I put, you know, like for you, you, you get up in the morning, you get the kids ready, and you get here, and you take your whole Sunday morning to maximize. Like, you know, when I come to the house of God to worship God, I'm going to maximize my experience, which means I need to prepare <clears throat> before I come, which also means I need to look back and to review what was God saying to me. So my challenge is this. Pick one of these that maybe it's new for you, maybe you've not done. And during this series, try it out. In fact, do it this way. Try it out for four weeks. And then see what happens. Okay? All right. Well, let me, um, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just the privilege we have to have your word and to be able to come together to worship you, to think about you, to praise you, to pray, to learn. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for this book, the book of Mark. And Lord, I pray during these next several months that all of us would really prepare our hearts and intentionally do some, some of these activities to prepare us to receive what you have for us when we come. And Lord, may we be willing to, when we step away from church, to allow your spirit to, drill, to help those new truths we've learned to drill those down into our hearts, our behavior, and our conduct, and our character. So Father, we lay these um, opportunities before you, and I pray for every person here that's a follower of Jesus, that every person will say, you know, Lord, I'm going to do this or this, read or record or revere all of them. Before I close, I just want to say this last final thing. If you're here and you've never come to faith in Jesus, I just want to say Jesus loves you so much. The book of Mark is, a, is really a love letter to every person. that He loved us so much that he came. He walked on the earth. He was tempted though he never sinned. And he was crucified on a cross 
for your sins and my sins. And that he was put into a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And he walked on earth for 40 days. Seen at one time by over 500 people. That after that time, he ascended to heaven. And one day, he's going to come back and make all things right. And he offers every person new life. And as Mark wrote, that the way to have a relationship with Jesus is to repent, turn from your sins, and believe. Turn to Jesus, believing he died on the cross for you. So if you've never come to faith in Christ, I invite you right now in your heart to say something like this in your heart. Dear God, I repent of my sins. I know that I've sinned. I turn from those. I now by faith turn to Jesus, place my faith in him for my eternity. Forgive me my sins. I want to become a follower of Jesus. So my prayer would be that if that was your prayer, you let somebody know. Lord, we, we pray these prayers in your name. Amen.